Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard, and today we have with us Clayton Hicks. He is an amazing entrepreneur that has been able to help successful business owners be able to increase their ability through their network and creating amazing unified networks. So I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about this because this is his superpower and community is definitely not my strength, not my strong suit. So (laughs) welcome, Clayton. It's great to have you. Thank you, Juana. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit more about your business. It's H7 Networks. And what what is that about? What how did that get started? So H7 Network uh, just celebrated 15 years last month. And um it's really about um it's it's about providing a platform for professionals and entrepreneurs to come together and we offer support and training on developing trusted relationships so that they can build their business by word of mouth more predictably, more predictably. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so how have you seen, like, what was the journey that you went through in your own life that made this even a business model at all? Because this is very unique that it's based off of the network itself. So what, like, what was it that happened in your life that you thought this would be valuable? So, so um, in 2007, uh, professionally, what brought H7 to be 2007, I was in a networking group uh, local to me in the Cincinnati area, and um, it closed down. And it closed down for its reasons. Um, we'll leave that part out, but uh, it closed down. And so I was left without networking opportunities. At the same time, in August of 2007, the market started shifting for real estate. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sent me into a bit of a tizzy there. I didn't have my network. I couldn't keep doing what I was doing before. It was just some changes there. And so um, I went to I went to a BNI because I was staying in the same industry at that point. I was in flipping and real estate and different stuff like that. Went to a BNI. That was not good for me. Could be it's good for anybody. It just wasn't good for me. Then I went to some chambers of commerce local to me. I did not feel comfortable. I'm an introvert by nature. And so some of that comes out, right? And so back then I was very, you know, I was only 28 and pretty immature in my professionalism, right? You know, learning, we're young, you know, all that stuff. Um, So I just didn't connect well. And so I got pretty frustrated and I started it. Why I started it, why I'll still do it is two different reasons. So, at that point in time, I was a single parent raising two little girls full time. And uh, so years go by, things change. So in 2013, I met my wife. Uh, she's not my wife. Anyway, <laughs> and um, sparks, all that stuff flew. <clears throat> so we're transitioning, getting engaged, going to get married, all these things. And so 
we did a uh, covenant in in May of that year. We moved in in June. Life is flipping upside down at this point, um, transitioning all this stuff. And we're getting married in October of that year. And uh, there's a whole other story to why we got married so fast and all these things. I won't go into that. But life changed very immediately, very quickly. And I went from being responsible for two little girls to now being responsible for three bonus children and my wife. Feeling I'm, I'm responsible, right? And so I only made so much money at that time. I had age seven for six years at that point. So uh, to be transparent, I got kind of lost. Like, what do I do? I went to the Lord. I went to pray. I went to speak. I want to hear you. What do you want me to do? And I gave him this question. I asked him, do you want me to expand age seven or do you want me to do something else along with it? And he said, expand. Those were his words. Okay. That's so cool. So I go back to my wife. We're having these conversations. And she says, hey, how come you don't meet with visitors on purpose when they visit? I didn't have a, I just said, well, I mean, I'll meet with them. That's that's not a problem. And, and you know, we were growing. We were doing the thing. But she just kind of pushed me up a little bit, right? And so in that moment, um, I decided to meet with anybody for a one-to-one that I would meet that I that would meet with me. So August 1st, 2014, I began this new journey of doing one-to-ones with anyone. And uh you know, just kind of speed the process up. At the end of March, I hit 6,600 one-to-ones that wow. I successfully completed. Wow. Transformed everything. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. And so, okay, tell us a little bit more before we dive into the family aspect of what did that mean uh, for you personally when God said, like, expand? What were the thoughts going through your head? Well, so I've been a man of faith for, you know, long enough to where I'd started to be able to talk with him and hear him Okay, at that point in my life. And so... My purpose in life began to to form. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what it meant to me. So, a couple years into my one to ones, okay, back up for a second. When I first started age seven, I just wanted to help people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fast forward now, to 2016, and I learned the first of my purpose in life, which was to lift people up. This is how much it meant to me. Okay. Now you get through the pandemic. I'm thinking my purpose in life is lift people up. Okay. Get through the pandemic. And on the other side of the pandemic in 2021, I learned another piece of my purpose in life. And that is to unite others. Lift people up, unite them. Not done. In November of last year, uh, my third, my third, and at least for now, final purpose in my life. So lift people up, unite them, and take no credit. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at today. So the, the meaning of that is everything. Everything in my life 
is now that. Two most important days in your life. The day you were born and the day you find out why. And I know why. I love that. I love that imagery too. Of Those are the two most important days. But I want to dive into that third thing that you said of take no credit, because that's very unique. And I think it's so powerful, but I think a lot of people might interpret that wrong too. So tell us a little bit more about what does it mean to take no credit? All right. So I battled with this. I still, not that I battle with it now, but when it came to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? (laughs) So what does that mean, Lord? And so it, uh, it, I finally discerned what it meant. It means to me that it was made just for me. Okay. I have a tendency to be arrogant. <laughs> Last time I was this successful, I lost everything. Hmm. And so for me, it means to be humble, to, to include the people that actually made all of this possible, because it wasn't just me in my success. And I am reminded of that often because it's on my whiteboard. And so I didn't make it here by myself. I'm not going to go wherever God's leading me to go by myself. I'm going to take people with me. And I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Now I'm so empowered by it. So yeah, I like that a lot. And I I laugh because it's so easy to fall into those patterns of arrogancy if you're not vigilant if you're not like paying attention to why are you doing this and what's going on around you and and giving credit where it's due and um even in little simple things so i love that that's one of your focuses right now of giving credit where it's due and not taking it oh yeah i mean my com- my our organization my organization is literally scaling across a country into big cities much larger than what i'm from and where I've ever done business in, New York, Boston, L.A., San Diego, Phoenix, like Chicago, like boom. And you know who who was you know who led us to that? It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. Nope. The Lord led me, and all these people, man, all these wonderful people that I'm so forever grateful for. Yeah, I love that. Can I share something with you? When you said humble, it brought up something in my own studies as well. So um, I've been doing this 30 day challenge and trying to like uh, basically mirror my life after the saviors and, and learn from his life and apply it to my own. And one of the things that came up for me was the word humble. And I've made studies of this word before, like the origin of it and what it like originated from and everything. But it's still been super hard to really pinpoint what the definition of humble is, because as far as the world sees it, it's this very derogatory, self-demeaning phrase. But in scriptural terms, it's the it's like an empowerment and something good. Yeah. And so how do you define that? And um, during this challenge, it just spiritually came to me of there's a difference between um, like being prideful means that you're listening to your physical senses more. Being prideful means that your physical experiences, your physical environment, your physical everything is what's going to win out at the end of the day, that that's the voice you're going to listen to. But being humble just means, at least this was my experience, 
as being humble means that you're willing to listen to the voice of the spirit over the pressures of the world. And that was, that's a huge thing. So that's what I've heard you say right now. And I love, I love that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I uh, just recently, um, as part of this, take no credit. I traded my 2018 Ford Edge, it's sweet as can be, for a 2013 F-150. <laughs> Even trade, no more car payment. Now I just got me a truck. And and I am so excited. That's awesome. I love that. I know it's so little, but you think about how worldly people are and consumerism and you know, well, if I if I have that on my body, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna feel good. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I got the nicest car and I buy all these things, it's all going to make me feel better. And it always reminds me of it's harder for a rich man to what is it uh, to get through the eye of uh, oh. a camel through the eye of a needle? Yeah, a rich man to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think biblically, it's talking about rich is in wealth and money. Oh. And I feel like a rich man already. So. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, I think too, um, this is an interesting topic just because as far as like being Christian, it's super important to follow after the things that the, that the scriptures teach us. But um, one of the things that I have been learning, so I came from a very survival mode, very scarcity, everything and wondering when we were going to eat. And just, it was, it was really hard growing up. And the more and more that we've grown in every way and physically, emotionally, financially, all of those different things, it really has felt more like God wants us to be abundant. He wants us to have abundance in everything. But if you're chasing the dollar, that abundance will do you no, nothing. It will eventually suffocate you. So <laughs> that's that's beautiful recognition of realizing like it's not about do you have a lot of money or do you not? It's why do you have it and the intent that goes with it and making sure that there's that humble, take no credit element to it. So I love that. Love that so yeah. much. Well, I lost everything when I was 26. Yeah. So, I, so, and I was an entrepreneur back then. I had eight houses, two trucks. I had what I thought was everything. <laughs> and I walked out the front door with my two biological daughters at the ages of seven and two. And it was just me and them. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So let's go, let's go there now. Let's uh, tell us a little bit more about what that journey was like. You have the whole business side of things ebbing and flowing and going up and down. And then you have these two sweet, amazing daughters that you have to nurture, take care of, show up as a dad and just make sure that they're okay too. So tell us about that part. Well, I learned so much from that. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so when we first walked out <clears throat> that front door with their little suitcases and pretty much left everything behind, tools, all the stuff, you know, I just walked out the front door with them. We moved into a third floor walk-up apartment. And within two months, I was on my knees. <clears throat> and... <clears throat> you know, just surrendering. Like I can't take any more surrendering. So I learned so much about my, you know, of course, back then I didn't know what I was called to do. I was 26, 20, whatever, 26. And I, I didn't even know what to do. 
and I had a job or whatever and lost the job and that put me on my, like, I just could not lose much more. And that moment I went down onto my knees and learned that I'm not in charge of my life. Um, it, it was not an immediate thing, but I learned how powerful he is and then I could make it. It would be all right. And, uh, I mean, my apartment I got behind on for three months. We were almost homeless. I could not live with my parents because of their status. So it was just me and them. And I mean, what I learned about my resiliency and my persistence and my ability to overcome challenges and change my mindset, I learned that I could not do any of that on my own. Yeah. And I had him just like his thumb right on my head, like do this, do that, stay calm, breathe, Clay. I know that it's, I know you're drowning, but we'll get you there. Hold on. And just the wherewithal and the toughness that I have, you know, you fast forward to the pandemic and that was a whole different thing. Another moment in my life, he was right there with me. So the value that I learned Raising two little girls, like having to change my demeanor, having to learn no long that I can no longer really be selfish, self-centered ego. Who has ego when I got to worry about two little girls feed them dinner tonight? You know, and I couldn't cook. You know, so I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to the grocery store getting frozen food. Like, okay, and then we have juice, and then you know, then we got to make the money last, and all these things. I was not good with money. I was not good with people. I was arrogant. I, all these things that I was not or could not do anymore. Yeah. And it just transformed me into kind of who you see today. Whole 180. I, love that. I, didn't, I didn't date for three years. I didn't date one woman. I didn't go on one date for three years. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It sounds too like it wasn't a lot of people, I feel like they they start dipping in that way. They start kind of going that way. And then they feel like, okay, that was enough or that was good enough. And then they kind of go on their way and forget about it. But it really does feel like this was a whole life transformation for you. And it definitely shows. <laughs> yeah. That's it's so still, cool. I, don't, I don't get to talk about it much because it's so long ago now. Mm-hmm. You got to pick an audience, you know. You can't just tell everybody that story or whatever, but. Man, talk about transformation. Yeah. So what would you say would be like, obviously all of it kind of works together. And I feel like in life, there's, there's hardly ever this defining moment because it's small moments stacked on top of each other. But was there a specific moment that was, that always comes back to your mind as your rock or your ability to dial back in when you're feeling lost or confused? in day-to-day life? Yeah. So I think this answers your question. Okay. There was a series of events that happened right then. So the moment I got on my knees and got up, there was more stuff to happen. Okay. There's more stuff to happen. So uh, I lost my job. I couldn't pay rent in November. So remember we moved out in August, couldn't pay rent in November. But I had a relationship with the owners of the apartment complex. So what do I do? I go talk to them. I lost my job. 
Can you please just bear with me? December comes. Can you just bear with me, please? I don't have any, I don't have any money coming in now. Like I'm dead. We're going to my parents' house to eat. Okay. Every day, every night. My dad would give me 20 bucks for gas. And I got into, I got back into real estate and we had this property. I mean, this this is strong. So we're going to flip this house. And so we're looking for a couple of weeks. We find it. We get it. Um, we pick it out. We start negotiating. We get this caught. We get this price. It's a house on the market, two fifteen, worth four hundred thousand dollars. It's listed on the MLS at two fifteen. We get it for one eighty five cash close. Okay, they want to move to Florida. Now I don't have a large real estate network at all at this point, but. I go back to my partner and I say, you know, can I borrow $900 to uh, keep us afloat? And he says, you put that house under contract and I'll give it to you. Wow. All right. Now we're talking. All right. So now we got to eat. We got to have a little Christmas. We got to figure, I got to pay electric bill. I got to at least keep lights on. And all this stuff. So I'm just like balancing. I put that house on a contract in less than five days for wow. $215,000. <laughs> That's awesome. I had, I had three partners or two partners, me and two other partners. So I go back to him and I say, all right, I got it under contract. And he gives me the money. I swear it was a whole transformation. Thing. It was the weirdest thing. He gives me the money. Now, I can't pay the rent, so I go back to the apartment complex and I say, hey, can I please have another month? I promise you I will pay you in full. She says yes. So we get through Christmas. We get to the 1st of January. She's knocking. I'm like, I promise you it's coming. Please just bear with me. January 5th, we close on that property. I pay my rent in full. My debit card has worked every time ever since. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so amazing. And I want to commend you too on that point where one, you said a prayer, you got up and things didn't get better. They got worse. And, <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't like, you didn't take that as going backtracking anymore. You just kept oh. trusting in God and kept moving forward. And then when you went to your partner and said, ask for that $900, and he said, go do this first, instead of getting resentment and anger of like, why, what the heck, this isn't fair and all these things that are wrong, you were like, okay, well, let's make this work. And and I really feel like that is the transformation. That's the heart. That's, that's the viable um, ability that we all need to be able to really make something out of our weak weaknesses and go forward in life. So that's really amazing. Yeah, that was kind of a long story. Sorry. No, that's perfect. So, so now, okay. So you went through these amazing experiences. You're seeing this transformation, your bank accounts growing. What is your mindset for your little daughters? Like what, what is going through your head of what's the most important thing that you want to enable them with throughout their life? Value of work, the value of God, the value of respect, and they live that. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And what would you yeah. say that your parents did as for you growing up that really enabled you to dig deep and be that kind of a person? I, my mom was tough, man. My mom was tough. My dad didn't really have much to do with it. He, I mean, he was there in the house, but it was my mom and my, my mom has passed by the way, she passed away uh, a year later to two years later. I'm only child. So my mom wow. now too. Wow. So my mom was the epitome of strength. <laughs> like I was a tie. So I was raised with valuing work. I had my, I had my first lawn care business at nine. I mean, paper boy. I was a paper route at paper boy at nine. That was because of my mom. I had a checking account. I had a. I had my own lawn care business when I was twelve. She made me go work in a factory at fourteen years old, in between school shifts, in between on summer breaks, weekends, um, and I played football. I was an honor roll student. I was in the clubs. I was in all these things. And in a sense, she made me that way by pushing me so hard to continue to reach my potential. So she always said I could do anything I wanted to do. She wanted me to work in a factory so that I knew what it was like. That's why I didn't work at McDonald's. Nope. I was working at a paper factory, you know, uh, my first year pushing a broom and stuff like that. Like that was not normal. None of it was normal about how I was raised. Not worldly normal, right? Just none of that really made sense. But she told me that I was going to be better for it. I didn't complain. I showed up early. She taught me that. She taught me all those things. I will outwork anybody still today. <laughs> so, so lots is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like, too, it's really cool and inspiring to me just the fact that kids come to their specific parents for a reason. And if kids can honor that and if parents can realize the value of their kids, magic happens because definitely a lot of people could be put in that same situation and resent it because they were overworked or whatever else was going on. But it really isn't. It isn't so much about work your kid hard or don't work them hard. It's the way that you go about showing them their worth, the way that you go about helping them level up. And I, it sounds like the relationship that you had with your mom was viable enough that that worked, that that was able to push you forward. And so um, for everybody listening, what would you, what would your advice be to the parents who want to help their kids work hard, but don't want to overstep their boundaries, don't want to push them to over the edge? How, how can they define that limit? What was that for you as a kid that helped you feel like you weren't overworked or you weren't resentful? Yeah, I didn't have any resentment. I honestly, I didn't know any better. Like I just, my mom was so strong and my, and my kids, all of my kids would tell you that, that I'm strong. Right. <laughs> and so, so teach your children respect. That's gone. It's so gone these days, you know, respect. Um, the other one is personal responsibility. I constantly, in though personal responsibility is a dang gone near a thing of the past. Not even being responsible for your own choices. Yeah. 
and I was raised that I was responsible for my own choice. I never blamed nobody because I failed or whatever. Shoot, no, because I didn't fail. My mom told me if I came home and I had anything more than less than a B, I was grounded. <laughs> I mean, so I didn't fail, you know? So, and, and I've I recognized that in myself, the personal responsibility she gave me. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Clayton, for coming. And thank you for sharing your story. I love the differences that we all bear and the different way of being able to raise our kids and just work differently. It's amazing to me how much it doesn't matter what uh, tools that you have in your tool belt, as long as that relationship is there, magic happens. So thank you, Clayton. Where is the best place for people to go to be a part of H7 Network if that is something that they're interested in? Yeah, you can go to h7network.com and um, find yourself a virtual me or an in-person me if there's one local to you. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn and you want to do a one-to-one, you want to connect. I'm all about that. Um, that's that's how you find me. Awesome. Well, um, is that the best way to also get a hold of you if somebody is just wanting to reach out to you specifically? Yeah, you can email me at clayton at h7network.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Everybody listening, take him up on that offer. Clayton is an amazing human and being a part of his network will definitely, definitely be a unifying experience for you. So love you all and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.